You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. Come, O Holy Spirit. Come, power of God and tender sweetness of God. Come, you who are both motion and rest. Renew our daring. Be our companion so that we will not feel lonely in this world. Create in us intimacy with God. We do not say any longer, as the prophet said, come from the four winds as though we do not know where you come from. But we say, come, spirit from the pierced side of Christ on the cross. Come on the breath blowing from the lips of the risen Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning. morning. Welcome to Pentecost Sunday. The last several weeks we've been in a series where uh, the series was titled, He Appeared to Me Also where we were looking at the resurrection stories of Jesus. One of the things that we noticed in all of those stories is that Jesus has a way of showing up and being present to people. And one of the things we picked up on in the writings of the Apostle Paul was Paul said, even though I never saw Jesus when he was alive, he picked a time, or or before his ascension, he picked a time when he appeared to me. And we noted in that that series and and the thrust of that, the reality is, is that all of us, You and I can have eyes where we see the presence of Christ when there are moments when Christ draws close to us and he appears to us. One of the great joys that I've had over this series is hearing stories from from you telling me or asking me, where has Christ appeared to you? And then you share that with me. It's, It's like this fresh presence of Jesus. When we know that Jesus is in our midst and he's He's not just appeared to people within the pages of Scripture, something that's written something like 2,000 years ago, but he's appeared to you. He's appeared to me. There's fresh manna, fresh bread for our journey. Well, when we come to Pentecost, we can oftentimes think about it as an event that happened. But I would suggest to you, just like the appearances of Jesus can be fresh, the sense of Pentecost needs to be fresh with us. One of the things, one of the words that, Paul also gives to the the presence of Jesus and to the appearance of Jesus 
is that he said when Jesus comes, he brings with him the victory of God. And he talks about the victory in such a vivid reality that, that it almost becomes a theme. And it's a theme that, that the Spirit will then bring to us. One of the places Paul talks about the victory of God is in 1 Corinthians 15. It's, it's in that text where he's talking about how Christ appeared to him. And Paul gets close to the end of 1 Corinthians 15, and he's overcome with this sense of song and joy. And have you ever been in that place where there's just so much joy bubbling up in you that you start to sing? Pastor Jim, you ever been to that place? Oh, yeah. yeah? You got any favorite songs that come out, or do you just write them, compose them? It's that singing, yeah. Well, Paul gets to that place. Sorry for, for bringing you in like that. Yeah, but um, Paul gets to that place, and he, he goes in 1 Corinthians 15, and maybe you love this song, but he says, Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thanks to God, he gives us the victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. When Paul thinks about when, what is it that Christ appears to us, yeah, we live in a world where there's sin and death, and yet we can still have victory. In fact, we live in that victory, and when Christ appears, that is before us. How does that get lived out in our life? And we can see it. We can see it in the person of Jesus. We can see it in the person of Paul. We can see it maybe sometimes in our neighbors, but how does that get lived out here with us? The disciples were asking that question of Jesus in those 40 days. And Jesus said, friends, I'm going to tell you something. You see it on the exterior. You see it outside. But you need it on the inside. You need it on the, in the inner parts of your heart and life. So Jesus said, you're going to have to wait for the Spirit. You're going to have to draw upon the resources of the Spirit to bring you the victory of God. And so Jesus said to them, go to Jerusalem and wait until the Spirit comes. Now they didn't know how long it would be that they had to wait. But Jesus said, go and wait in the city. And so they went to Jerusalem. And they prayed and they fasted and they thought about who ought to be a replacement for Jesus. And they took a few votes. Actually, they didn't take votes. They rolled dice. Uh, ever been in a spot where you need to make a decision? Just get out some dice and roll them. I guess that worked for the disciples. I don't know what you think about that. But anyway. By the way, that disciple never shows up again in the pages of Scripture. So I don't know what... <laughs> What that tells you about that way of making decisions. But they go and they wait. They don't know how long they're going to have to wait. But they wait. And on Pentecost, Pentecost was actually a Hebrew celebration of the first fruits. And the city was crowded with people from all around the known world at the time. They'd gathered to celebrate the giving, the gifts of God. The first fruits. And as they were gathered in an upper room, tells us about 120 or so, praying, waiting for this victory, waiting for this power, the Spirit fell. In a new way, in a fresh way, in a way that they had never experienced before in their life. And like the wind that we experienced the last couple days, that wind that just blows with great power and Changes the weather, changes the temperature and the atmosphere. The wind blew in that room. And Luke says it was like fire-like tongues came and sat upon them. And, there, and the people who were in that place were filled with the capacity to speak languages that they, they could never speak before in their life. 
what Jesus talked about, what Jesus expressed and what he lived, this, this power from God was now present within them. And, and throughout their day, throughout their, their experience, they expressed the power of God. They lived into it. The Spirit was poured out. And it would become a, a mile marker for the, for the church. Kind of like the birthday of the church, as Pastor Jim mentioned. But it was more than just a... Uh, I mean, the Spirit had, had been poured out before. But never like this. Never like this in the sense that the Spirit is now available to everybody who calls on the name of the Lord. There's a universal accessibility of the Spirit. And the Apostle Paul... He knows that this accessibility is present to us. And so one of his great themes, one of his great thrusts throughout all of his writings is to press his readers and to encourage us to walk in the life of the Spirit. And so in one of the passages of Scripture that's, that's one of my favorites in Romans 8, he talks about what it's like to live in the life and in the victory, the power of the Spirit. Romans 8, 9 through 17. Paul writes these words. But you, friends, are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. For this spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. The word of God for the people of God. Paul will tell us in <coughs> pardon me, Paul will tell us in this place I think a couple of critical pieces. First of all the spirit, when he brings the victory of Christ to us, the spirit brings freedom. One of the things he writes about early on is that we don't have to be controlled by our sinful nature. We can be delivered by that. The Spirit longs to bring freedom to us. Earlier in this text, earlier in, especially in chapter 7, the Apostle Paul describes his own angst, his own experience, if you will, where he knows in his mind who Christ is and what he believes and what he thinks about who God is. And he knows what he wants to do, and yet at the end of chapter 7 he describes the angst that he has oftentimes because he says, Oh, wretched man that I am, there are things that I hate in my mind, but I find myself doing, or things that I want to do, but I don't do. 
And I find that I am at a place oftentimes where I'm betwixt, torn apart. I want to follow Christ, but I find that I'm led away and do something different. Well, actually, Paul says, I've been at that place. It's a place where many believers find themselves, asserting with their mouth and with their head, with their confessions, that they follow after Christ and yet find in their own person that they often do something different. Paul says, sometimes there are people among us who say, you just have to live in that space. You can't do anything but just live in that space and accept that reality. He says, no, we don't have to live there, though. He presses us. He says, we can come to a place where we are delivered. We can come to a place where the victory and the power of the Spirit takes us beyond that struggle, where we can be delivered from the things that keep us bound up. Things like envy, or strife, or anger, or jealousy, or lust, or addictions. Or list a whole host of other things. There are many of us. We've accepted that these have to be the companions and the friends that we journey with through life. As much as we long to follow after Christ, these other things will just simply be with us. Paul says, friends, when the Spirit brings the victory of Christ into the midst of your life, you can watch the power of Christ unleash you and release you from those things that take you to places you don't want to go. One of the things that I love about our Sunday evening service over in the outreach center, the center that the, the worship service that goes by Church of the Center, one of the things I love about that service is that the beginning of that service starts off with life change stories. That is, we give an invitation to people that are in the room to come, and if they've got a story about how their life is being changed as they seek after Christ, to come up onto the platform and take a mic, and in 30 seconds or less, tell about how, how they're finding the power of God at work. And there are some incredible stories with some harrowing pasts. And yet the people who step up on that stage sometimes will talk about how, how through what God is doing in their life, they've been able to see their kids because they've been separated from their kids for a long time. Or they've been fighting an addiction. And so they'll get up on the stage and they'll talk about how they've been free from their addiction for, or at least they haven't done something that, within their addiction for, for two weeks. Or maybe it's two years. Or maybe it's longer. But they're finding freedom. Because they're finding power. Now does that mean that those stories, in those stories they paint a life that's completely free of everything? Not in the least, but they're just celebrating that one small step of freedom. And when you start taking a step of freedom, you find that there's, there's more power in the Spirit to give you freedom, not just in one thing, but in more things. So what is the companion in your life? What is the thing that you've thought you have to live with the rest of your days? What is the thing that you really don't want to talk with Jesus about? 
And the Spirit comes along and he says, friend, you can be free of that. You can find freedom and power. The Apostle Paul mentions something else. He talks about how the Spirit brings resources. And he lists four different kinds of resources for us. He talks about how when the Spirit comes and the Spirit brings His presence, He brings us into a whole new family. And He gives us a whole new sense of how to pray. And He gives us a sense of assurance. And He brings us the capacity of hope. Now those, those elements of family, Paul talks about how we're introduced into a new family, the family of God. Isn't it great to have people that are on the same journey with you that you can look to and you can find examples and you can, you can ask questions of? Jeff, I'm glad you're sitting on the, near the front where I can see you today. I've been thinking about you all this past week because a year ago I had a tractor that had a blown head gasket. And, and I know that Jeff works on, on motors, really cool motors, by the way. And uh, so I asked Jeff about that head gasket, and he told me about that. And then when I was putting a head gasket on, I twisted a bolt off. So this, this week I've been changing a, a bolt in, in that motor, and then I had, to, I had to rip it all apart again. And then I broke another bolt in that motor. You'd think I'd learn. But all the, all the while, I was having a conversation with you because you're within the same family of God. God brings us into a new family. He lets us pray in different ways. Paul talks about how we can pray with the words Abba or Father. How do you envision God? Is God off in the distance? Is God close? Is God somebody who holds a ruler? What are the clothes that God wears? How does God walk? What does God do late at night, early in the morning? Does God look like somebody you can run to? And leap and God will catch you? Does God look somebody that at the end of a day says, you want a bowl of ice cream? And sit down at table with you? You think so? That's one amen. Does God look like somebody who calls you and listens to you? Ask your questions. What does God look like? Paul uses the most intimate language of the Roman time to say God is like Abba, Daddy, Father. The last thing he mentions is he gives us a great hope. You know, none of us in this world get to avoid suffering. And so he said when we walk with Christ, when we walk in the victory and the power of Christ, we also have to walk in the suffering of Christ. And yet, whether we're walking in suffering or we're walking in, in all kinds of great things, in, in fields of tulips and sunshine, he says we get to walk in hope, confident hope. Hope that isn't just, it doesn't just melt away, but it's hope that's here with us. 
The third thing he mentions is there is an assurance that the Spirit longs to bring to us. For many years, for many years, I didn't make much in my own mind, in my own thinking of the assurance, the still, small whisper, the inner witness of the spirit with our own spirits that we belong to God. About a year ago, my youngest brother went through a serious bout of depression. A depression that I could never understand. And as I interacted with him, it became crystal clear to me that what was lacking, what was needful in his own heart, in his own mind, was not the, the words of the people who were gathered around him. But what was lacking was this witness, this power of the Spirit inside of his own heart and mind, something that we on the outside could never give to him or deliver to him. He struggled to get to that place. I don't know that he ever longed to get to that place because I don't know that we ever talked about getting and the possibility of getting to that place. If there was anything that I think we as a church have not talked about enough, friends, is that all of us can get to the place where beyond a shadow of a doubt, as a friend of mine years ago said, he said, you can know in your knower. You can know in your knower that God is real, that you're a child of God, that you're beloved, and that the hope of Christ isn't just something we can talk about, but it's something you can live. You can know in your knower. How do we get to that place? Michelangelo painted a powerful picture on the top of the Sistine Chapel, didn't he? With God, with his outstretched hand and arm, and there's Adam sitting in for all of humanity with that limp wrist and finger. Reneo Candle Mesa, who wrote that opening prayer about come Holy Spirit, come, looked at this picture and he commented on it and he said, friends, if we want the power of the presence of God, God's, God's hand is reaching out towards us, seeking to connect with us. He said, we've got to have stronger ambition, stronger desire, stronger longing for the power that comes from Christ. 
Some of us need to be released from playing the part of a victim. Maybe there's been some great tragedy that's happened in our life, and so we've, we've taken that on and we, we've assumed that position of being a victim. We need to hear, no, we don't have to stay in that spot. God's power is reaching out towards us and available to us. Some of us, we get locked into that sense of that other side of the self. We recognize what Paul is talking about when he says we're a man and a heart divided. And we go two different directions. And we think that we're simply stuck there. We need to say, no, you know what? We don't have to settle for that spot. We can do better. We need to say, come, Holy Spirit, come. We need to pray for that with all of our heart. And we need to be open to receive the Spirit. Like the disciples, we need to wait until the power comes. In the Romans work that I was privileged to write a year ago and privileged to watch Schweitzer move through last fall, there, there were a number of pictures. And I'd like to put this picture up on the screen. This picture went with Romans chapter 8. It's a woman dancing with a lot of joy, dancing with a lot of freedom, knowing the wounds of life, knowing what it's like to be imprisoned, to be trapped, and yet have great hope and suffering. A couple of weeks ago, a friend of mine from several years ago, her name was Sandra Boone, passed away. Sandra Boone was a, a lady that got to live in a family that loved her immensely. She was the oldest of four kids. Two other sisters and a brother who, who did his level best to bug the tarnation right out of her. But they had a great childhood. And Sandra got married she studied to be a nurse, and she and her husband had a passion to connect with people who needed to know the love of God. So they went and they worked at a residential facility for troubled teens. While they were there, they had three sons. Sandra's second son, Peter, was born with a lot of birth defects. By the time I met Sandra and Peter, Peter had had close to 70 surgeries. By the time he would be called home, he would have close to 100 surgeries. And yet Sandra never chose to play the part of a victim. Neither did anybody else in her life. When I met Sandra, not only was her son in the midst of a number of surgeries, not only did she work in a difficult place, but then she came down with cancer. And she had to go through several bone marrow transplants. That was about 25 years ago that I met Sandra. And there were moments in her life when she looked tired. As you would. But Sandra, Sandra was never down. She was never out. 
when I look at this picture, I think about somebody like Sandra Boone. I think about a number of people who are in this place right now. Because you know what it's like to carry the heavy burdens of life. To keep going with hope and joy. And you know what it's like to have the power of the Holy Spirit come close to you. To fill your life. To bear you up. You know what it's like to call out to God with the intimacy of Abba, Father. And to find the victory of Christ present and active. And for those of you who know what it's like, you know what kind of prayer we pray on Pentecost, right? It's a thankful prayer, but it's also, Lord, more. more, Lord, more. And for some of us, we need to hear the invitation of the Spirit to pray, come, Holy Spirit, come. Renew our life. Bring us into that place of the victory of Christ. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Amen.